Hello and welcome to another installment of the Weird Chronicles. Each episode, we bring you tales of action and adventure from Malifaux and the other side. On today's episode, we get a first-hand look at the potency of Bayou Moonshine, the infamous liquor brewed by gremlins. Shine is popular in the bayou and in the bars of Malifaux, but it's not only gremlins and humans who are affected by its staggeringly high alcohol content. I hope you enjoy Boozed in the Bayou. Boozed in the Bayou by N.A. Wolf. Catfish, catfish, catfish! Catfish! Penzui called out into the gloom as he tapped his stomach excitedly with thick, sausage-like fingers. He clutched his fishing rod lazily in his other hand, casting the catgut string into the water with a half-hearted, drunken flick of his fat wrist. This evening seemed no different to Henzui than any other. The light of Malifaux's two moons barely penetrated through the scrubby thickets of the swamp's withered trees. It didn't matter much anyway. The water below his raft was so ruddy and thick from all the congealed slime floating on the surface that it was impossible to see what lurked beneath. At least the chirping of crickets, the glow of the fireflies and the occasional croak of the bayou toads added some semblance of beauty to the muggy evening, although the smell of rotting animal corpses, mulch and sulphur, was almost overpowering. Thoroughly pervasive, it lingered in the hazy mist like an unpleasant aura. The noxious odour challenged the resolve of even Malifaux's most devoted botanists, brave researchers who professed their love for the bayou as they choked behind the rags tied to their faces. And then again, Henzui was so drunk that the discomfort of the sweltering evening and the noxious odour hardly registered with him. Having procured and ingested a fresh batch of gremlin moonshine, he might as well have been in a different universe. At times, when he was barely sober enough to consider his circumstances, a rare occasion indeed, Henzui realised few regrets. He had travelled as a bard across Zhongguo, and even as far south as Java, until he found his true calling as a monk of the fermented river. It was then that he became Han Zui. Everything before, and most of what came after, existed as a stream of hazy memories. Thanks to the drunken spells, his masters had called them training, which had been a constant and loyal companion since his induction, he had no memory of how he had crossed the breach. But it didn't mean anything to the monk in the slightest. With no sense of direction or purpose, Henzui found peace passing his time during the day at Frontier Point, a rickety squatter's village just upstream at the fringe of civilization, helping the bayou settlers with odd jobs as they peddled their wares. In the evenings, he calmed his mind and battled his vicious hangovers, floating off into the darkness downstream on his rickety raft. Tonight was no different. He sat atop his raft, engulfed by the darkness and serenity of the bayou, his line in the murky water, and his legs crossed in a pose of drunken meditation. As usual, he had a pounding headache, but he managed to mollify the pain slightly with another swig of moonshine. He gave a belch and a laugh, 
as he felt a nibble from his rod for the first time in the evening. For Hen Zui, there was never clarity, but there was always catfish. We got nothing tonight, thanks to you, Bo. Nothing! Hooey, everything's all screwy! Ray shouted as he pinched Bo's ear angrily, hopping from one clawed foot from the other. You messed up and now we got to let him go! The tiny gremlin was on the rampage, throwing as many punches as he could with one tangerine-sized hand while twisting Bo's ear with the other. His companion said nothing as he battered off Ray's tiny fist, but he sneezed apologetically and gave a husky chuckle, which turned into a screech of pain and indignation. Bo liked his ears. The gremlinettes, who wanted to impress him by speaking human, said that they found his floppy ears handsome. Bo didn't know much of human tongue, but he knew enough to explain to the very confused giggling posse that they were pointing at his ears, not his hands. Bo and Ray had sold everything they had brought from their village to Frontier Point. Tasty bottles of vintage Triple X moonshine, good luck amulets, and even succulent gremlin meat pies. The humans didn't know that the meat was from pesky giant skeeters. Except the one thing their kin needed them to get rid of. It sat in the large barrel with an air hole drilled into the side. It was breathing. Bo jumped back with a quiver as the barrel started to rock from side to side. The dull thumping, the rebuke of thick, plated scales on gnarled wood, became swifter and swifter. It gave a growl of defiant annoyance and fury. Ray frowned and tugged Bo's ear more tightly. To think we could have got rid of it too if you didn't provoke him, Bo. That fellow with the pet croco was right and ready to buy him he was. Bo crossed his arms in frustration. I didn't do nothing. It's not my fault that it took a swipe at that human, and you know it. His ears quivered dangerously. You nailed him with your slingshot. I was trying to make him dance for the human. Humans like to be entertained. They buy things that entertain them. Bo thumbed the slingshot in his pocket menacingly. Now let go my ear. Ray gave up at last and patted Bo on the shoulder. You know we gots to let him go. He don't belong all confined like this. We said that if we couldn't sell him, we'd let him go. It ate's our kin, Ray. Bo looked in frustration at the shaking barrel again. What he wouldn't give to launch another stone through that air hole. We can't. We're far from home. If it eats the humans, it don't matter nothing to us, right-o? Ray cackled. Bo nodded appreciatively, and his eyes lit up in excitement. Let's get rid of him. I just was hoping that when we caught him, we could make some profit. No good now, though. He pounded on the side of the barrel angrily. You hear that, you stupid scaly monster? We're done with you! A big yellow eye with a jet-black vertical pupil appeared through the air hole. Bo jumped and landed flat on his backside. Get up! Ray snapped impatiently. Help me move it! With surprising strength, the two gremlin traders slammed the barrel on its side. Its contents gave a snarl of protest. Checking that the coast was clear, Ray poked out of the trading hut, 
his head like a little floating green bobble in the swirling mist. The rest of the main dock at Frontier Point was empty. Nothing but the mist and the pale light of a few dying lamps creaking in the night breeze awaited them. The other merchants, both gremlin and human, had already packed away their stools. Coast's clear! The two rolled the barrel along the uneven planks of the dock. A thick stray nail caught one of the vaulted beams of the container and a small piece of wood splintered away from the barrel, creating a crack almost imperceptible in the darkness. The two gremlins paid no notice, laughing at the snarls coming from inside with each rickety lump in the pier. At last, they reached the end. With two eager kicks and a muffled splash, the barrel careened off the jetty and began to sink to the bottom of the swamp with no more protest. Ray gave a sigh of relief. That's done. Now we can focus on other things. Bo wiggled his ears inquisitively. You mean it's time? Yes, stupid, it's time. I'm sick of putting up with all of the humans here. This is kin territory. Tonight is the time we takes it back. It gave a satisfied sigh as the barrel hit the water. At last, re-energized by the feeling of cool, rotting water on its scales, it thrashed around with glee in its confine. The feeling of the silt in every gillful of the mire water made it purr with pleasure. Being on dry land for too long had made it weak and queasy. With a spurt of newfound speed, it began to dance excitedly, pounding its four scaly claws against the sides of the barrel. One talon connected with a deep crack, and before it really knew what had happened, the barrel split apart, the curled planks bursting from their iron fastenings in a shower of underwater splinters and fractured iron. Free at last, it zigzagged through the current of the swamp below with an insatiable hunger. Hanzui pulled on the rod with all of his might. This catch would be bigger than any he had made in his life, he just knew it. The rod gave him even more resistance the harder he tugged, so much so that he had to put down his bottle of moonshine to pull on the rod with greater force. The secret to this unprecedented catch, he muttered to himself in a drunken stupor, was the dried, spiced jerky he had put on the hook this time. He laughed to himself, praising his own genius for making use of the gremlin pig carcasses he had found rotting in the swamp on one of his evening escapades. Come here, fish! Catfish, catfish, catfish! He gave a hiccup and at last managed to haul the greatest catch of his life out of the stinking waters of the bayou in a deluge of brackish, muddy rain. But it wasn't a catfish. No matter how drunk Hanzui was, there was no mistaking the ravenous Silurid. Two giant yellow eyes four webbed talons, and a massive spine like that of a marlin emerged from the depths. Last to appear were its honed jaws, wide open in a sinister greeting. They snapped shut around his neck with a bone-shattering crunch. With sight leaving his foggy eyes, Hanzui tried to think of his mother from his village in Yunnan, or even of his days as a bard in Java but he couldn't remember any of it. And so he thought of moonshine instead. 
perhaps too drunk to really make much of anything, even pain. He closed his eyes and faded into what he hoped would be a refreshing nap, mind as empty as the bottle clinging to his twitching fingers. It knew something was wrong from the first bite. The gooey red juice which it loved so much tasted different. It had a sharp tang, a bitter, fiery aftertaste, unlike anything it had eaten before. It wasn't the delicious, salty iron one to which it had been accustomed. This one stung its throat and seemed to burn its insides. As the last bloody chunks of meat drifted to the bottom of the marsh in a red mist, it extended a curious talon and began picking the shreds of fabric out of its sharp teeth. Something was definitely wrong. It seemed to realise that it had no control of small motions, and it began to slice its own gums, unable to keep its claws still enough to pick out the annoying stringy bits of textile swaying with the current in the crevices of its teeth. Then, as quickly as it had come, the bad taste disappeared. Everything was so much better now, it seemed to realise with a hiccup. It coughed and spat up bubbles of black water. It liked blowing bubbles a lot, it decided, and soon it was swimming around aimlessly, chasing what it evidently failed to realise was its own tail, with furious swipes, and trying to pop the bubbles it never wanted to stop blowing. The bubbles were fun, but what it really wanted now was to leap. It wanted to leap more than anything, and not out of self-preservation, but just for the sake of trying to fly, building all of the muscle power it could in its two hind legs. It rocked forth from the bottom of the mire and sprang above the sludgy surface of the swamp in a muddy fountain of soiled water. It soared so high, higher than it ever remembered being, and it was a feeling of wonderful bliss. It tried to blow bubbles again, only to realise after the first exhalation of air that it was no longer underwater. It thrashed madly out of panic, losing all control as the marshy ground came rushing up to meet it. The Silurid landed sloppily on one foot. With another hiccup, it spun around, dizzy, and fell flat backwards on its rear. Whatever was in that red goo was good, it decided with a coy nod to nothing in particular. It wanted more. Visualising that sharp metallic taste it had experienced moments ago, the Silurid sniffed the air hungrily with acute senses mastered from centuries of evolution. Its spine stood erect as it found the scent of moonshine. It plodded off into the darkness, taking drunken swipes at all the surrounding fauna, each pointless blow threatening to throw it off balance. It loved every squelch its webbed feet made in the thick mud, and it answered every croak, chirp and cricket in the gloom with the loudest squawk it could muster. Jessie took another swig of moonshine with a grimace. It was bad liquor, and she knew it, but it had been a long day and she desperately needed another drink. Her research had gone poorly. Three members of her team had already become infected with a gangrenous ailment that threatened the integrity of several sets of fingers and, in one unlucky case, an entire foot. 
To add insult to injury, an acid-spitting horror had ruined her box of neatly packed botany lab instruments in a hysterical fit of unexpected vomiting. Before she could put a slug between its eyes, it leapt beneath the murky mire of the marsh, leaving her with two wasted shells, a box of corroded tools, and a burning frustration which not even her third shot of liquor could ameliorate. She snorted and slammed her grimy shot glass on the bar counter with a grunt. Looking around more closely, she saw that the bar, like most of Frontier Point, was almost empty. The little pioneer's village stood on rickety stilts above the swirling bayou sludge. It attracted few visitors. Occasional researchers and scientists like Jessie, who conducted experiments in the swamp, but mostly gremlin traders, reckless pioneers, and escaped convicts who quite rightly laboured under the assumption that the Guild would never track them to this stinking edge of civilization. And the edge of civilization it was. The bar was made of the same rickety wood as the rest of the settlement, and it was tiny. Axed tree stumps with flayed roots took the place of seats, all were full of holes teeming with moss. They had never been varnished or treated to become proper chairs, but there was no need for space or vanity. Frontier Point was almost always deserted. The bartender cast Jessie a sideways glance. That's your third drink, honey. If I didn't know better, I'd say that's enough. Rough day? Jessie sighed. You don't know the half of it. I've been doing research here for the past week, but each day is proving to be a challenge. Everything here wants to kill you, infect you, or eat you. And in some cases, all three. She rolled up her sleeve to reveal a bloody scar on her right arm. You know, this came from a plant. I was taking leaf samples, but the plant didn't seem to like it. I had no idea the damned thing had a snapping trap head and teeth. She snorted again. We should just burn the damn place down. The bartender had no response, so he simply reached for her glass to pour her a fourth shot. Jessie rolled down her sleeve with a dark chuckle. Something flashed in the corner of her eye. She grabbed the bartender's wrist mid-paw. Wait, did you see that? The clear liquid slopped onto the counter. Ah, you're making me spill good shine. Are you crazy? There's nothing there. You know, maybe you've had enough for today. He cocked an eyebrow and began screwing the top back on the bottle of liquor. Shut up, there's something in here with us. She had heard it for sure. The slap-like pitter-patter of wet, webbed feet on gnarled wood and the gentle drip of gooey saliva drops as they burst upon hitting the ground. The shadow flashed again and Jessie fell flat off her tree stump onto the filthy floor, moving out of the way just in time. The bartender was less lucky. He doubled over the counter, nursing a deep cut on his hand, the bottle of moonshine he once held gone in mere seconds. What the hell? He stammered, eyes screwed shut in pain, blood pouring from between his fingers. I... Turning around, Jessie couldn't believe her eyes. Squatting on the floor in full relief of the lamps was the ugliest creature she had ever seen, and she had seen quite a few clutching the half-empty bottle of moonshine in one hand. It had big, bulbous yellow eyes with vertical pupils, gangly, taloned limbs, a curved, webbed spine running the length of its back, and a chitinous, scaly body. 
two fleshy, quivering whiskers like those of a catfish dangled from the corners of its gaping mouth. Get away from it, the bartender said angrily, pulling a shotgun from beneath the bar. Don't you know what that is? I don't know, but it's holding my next drink in its hand, so I'd say we have a problem. It's a salurid. They're cursed, dark servants of the swamp hag. Where they go, destruction follows. The omen of dire doom gave a sharp hiccup, cracked the neck of the bottle open with a defiant screech, emptied its entire contents into its gaping maw and keeled over backwards with an explosive sneeze. Jessie couldn't help but laugh. Put that gun down, you look ridiculous. The thing's drunk, that's all. She approached the salurid cautiously. It was rolling around on its back, exposing the lighter flesh of its belly to the ceiling. I think it wants me to pet it. Pet a salurid? Are you insane? The bartender kept his shotgun levelled at the flailing creature as he tied a kerchief around his cut. The bastard sliced me. It wanted more booze, Jessie said confidently, stepping closer. From what I can tell from all of my research, most creatures of the bayou and even some of the carnivorous plants have a remarkable sense of smell. The odours in the air, which are so deplorable to us, are distracting, but not to them. It must have come here for the shine it smelled. This is the only settlement for miles. But how did it get attracted to the shine in the first place? Tentatively, she began to rub its belly affectionately. The creature purred approvingly, but it shot her an indignant look of disappointment when she withdrew her hand quickly. It was coated in a foul-smelling green slime secreted from its rubbery skin. Eek! I don't care why it's here. I'll say we kill it, the bartender said nastily, still at a safe distance behind the bar and levelling his shotgun to the salurid's head. It stared at him emptily too drunk to move. No, this presents a remarkable opportunity for research. No, he said impatiently. These things would love nothing more than to eat your pretty face right off. Now back away so I can put it out of its misery. It's drunk anyway, it won't feel nothing. My point exactly. It's too drunk to be of any threat right now. There was a lot of shouting. Oh, it didn't like the shouting. It was feeling all woozy again, and the noise was rattling inside its head, making it feel as though its skull was going to burst. Noise never bothered it before, but now everything was pounding. The yelling was coming from the two tasty pieces of talking meat. One was large and rotund, surely a good meal. The other lithe and skinny. The second one looked less tasty, but it didn't matter. It was closer, and all the drinking had made the salurid hungry. In a sudden fit of inspiration, the drunk salurid rolled onto its back to play dead. The trick always worked with dumb prey. The meat was approaching. This was the moment to strike. But when the smaller piece of meat leaned forwards, the salurid had no energy to take a swipe at its throat. It exerted all of its effort, but with a sinking, terrified feeling, it realised that it couldn't raise a claw. It was too drunk. Everything was all woozy. Its eyesight flickered and it thought it was seeing double. It began to panic. This was it. It was a game of eat or be eaten with the other piece of meat, another predator. And this time, 
It couldn't eat. Flailing hopelessly, fearing that it was about to die, it raised its gangly reptilian hands to cover its ears, to stop all of the shouting in these final moments. The talking piece of meat put a claw across its underbelly. The rival creature must have known that it was most exposed there. Expecting the end, the Silurid secreted its vile body toxin in a last-ditch, drunken attempt to ward off the incoming claw of death. And it had worked. The meat had backed away, shrieking in terror, its own claw all sticky and green. A wave of primal relief washed over, and it gave a deep sigh. But the feeling of burning fire still lingered in its throat and stomach. It wanted more of that tasty fire, lots more. And it could smell it in the air. And meat. More meat approaching quickly. But it was a different kind of meat from the one he had almost caught. In a drunken haze, the Silurid tried to remember what it was. It blinked its eyes in recognition. Green meat. Tiny green meat. Safely hidden in the mire directly below the planks of the jetty, Ray pulled a ragged tarp off the towering monstrosity in front of him with a sadistic grin of satisfaction. His pointed teeth chattered in positive excitement as he thought of the infinite possibilities for power and destruction he now had under his control. Bo seemed less impressed. He bounced from foot to foot in a nervous jitter. You think it's time, Ray? It don't look ready to me. Ray slapped Bo on the back enthusiastically. Of course it's ready. It's all fueled up, isn't it? That dumb bartender got no idea we'd been jacking his booze for fuel. He cackled maliciously. You got doubts? Let's me ask you, how long have we been putting them together? It's been a month, Bo answered dully, looking at his toes. A month of scavenging from dumb humans. A month of secrets and Scotland in the dark. And what's he made of? Ray asked patiently. The strongest barrels left behind by the traders here. Bo scoffed. Damn right he is. Isn't this the finest whiskey golem you've ever seen? Ray squeaked. It's the only one said Bo sardonically. I hope you put him together right, and that the thing can put up a fight. There won't be no need. Frontier Point is empty and it's dark. Who's still awake to stop us as we smash the place up? There are no dumb or tigers here to hunt us down. It's time for our kin. With a huge groan, the whiskey golem rose. Its gleaming amber eyes shining sinisterly in the darkness. The sloshing mire water rolled off the barreled contours of its body as it brought itself up to full height from its hiding place in the muck. Its head smashed through the floorboards of the jetty above in a shower of splinters and nails. The sound of the splashing whiskey inside was barely audible over the creaking of the splintered wood. The lamp is on at the bar, moaned Bo. They're gonna hear us. Good! Ray pounded his fists together excitedly. The whiskey golem did the same, reveling in the noise of the shrieking metal and wood. Then that's where we start. What was that? 
a muffled boom forced Jessie to look up from the thrashing silurid towards the jetty outside. What appeared to be an explosion had ripped half of the pier clean off. The remnants of the dock began to sink slowly into the swamp, a torpid wreck soon to be reclaimed by the bubbling water. Flying wooden boards streaked through the night. Without glass panes, the windows of the bar provided nothing for a defence. A wooden stake sailed through the window and nailed the bartender on the head, knocking him senseless in a spray of blood and splinters. Jessie covered her head as she heard the screams of the other pioneers at Frontier Point fill her ears. All came running out of their lodgings, many in sleepwear and rubbing their tired eyes with filthy knuckles or calloused fingers, barely illuminated by the lamplight of the docks. Jessie rolled to the side to dodge another piece of detritus, and for the second time in the evening she saw something that she couldn't understand. A massive creature, animated by some impossible magic, made up from several barrels shoddily nailed together to form a torso, legs, arms, and even a watermelon-shaped barrel head, came careening from the site of the explosion in a massive tornado of destruction. Its large, mechanical wooden hands were busy dismantling everything within reach, and in short order, support posts, flooring, and even the fully structured trading huts of Frontier Point collapsed, their supports ripped out from beneath them. With each blow, its eyes gleamed a radiant amber that cut through the fog like a hot knife. Debris flew everywhere, stray pieces of roofing and pipes whirling through the air at supernatural speed, striking unsuspecting settlers in a bloody whirlwind, or coming to rest in the goopy mires of the swamp with a thunderous splash. With the remnants of the jetty, completely demolished. The construct hoisted itself from the swamp onto the boardwalk. The rickety posts which held the centre of Frontier Point above the murky water groaned in protest, but held strong. Now unimpeded by waist-deep muck, the hodgepodge collection of barrels hurtled forward with surprising speed, knocking guttering lampposts and benches aside with disturbing ease. It ploughed down the entire settlement in a straight line, knocking aside everything in its way, until it came to the bar. Jessie barely had time to cover herself again as the wooden walls of the bar shattered around her, showering her in fragments. When she at last opened her eyes, she found the golem staring at her with pure hatred, its mechanical fingers coated in blood and sawdust. She was equally unnerved by the two tiny bayou gremlins holding on for dear life to its bulky shoulders. The construct ground to a halt. Well, I think that's it, huh? The first gremlin said to the other with a satisfied smirk. The town is for the kin now. What's this? Said the other one testily, pointing a black-nailed finger at Jessie, sprawled on the floor at their foot. Ooh, a girl, and a pretty one, too. Squish her! Squish her dead! One of the gremlins hopped off the golem and landed next to Jessie. He called to the golem and gesticulated wildly, squeaking, Ended! No survivors! The earth was shaking. The Salurid didn't like that. 
It was hard enough to balance already, and the roar of the falling timber was agonizing, pounding hard in its skull. Tree parts were shattering everywhere, torn apart by some massive predator over three times its size. It wanted to run, to flee into the warm embrace of the stinking water, to be swallowed by the muddy abyss and wriggle away under the cover of inky darkness and silky mud. But then there was that smell. The same fiery smell, only this time it wasn't settling in its stomach or lingering in its throat. It was coming from the predator. The odour was so strong that it engulfed everything in a massive, stinging aura. The creature lunged forward, splashing some kind of brown liquid everywhere in a violent rain. The fluid was bursting through its tough wooden skin with every movement. Poison? The salurid shook in panic. A drop landed on its tongue, and in that moment it knew not poison. This meat had the same red gooey fire in it as the other one, but this time the goo was stronger and more clear brown than opaque red, without any salty or irony aftertaste. It was pure, unadulterated, concentrated fire. But to get more of that fire, the fire it wanted so badly, lots more, this new giant predator would have to die. The massive hulk raised one foot, about to step on and claim the lithe piece of meat huddled before it, which didn't belong to it. Oh no, that couldn't be allowed. This lurid was shaken out of his stupor by a surge of energy and excitement. It would definitely have to die now. Jessie closed her eyes, expecting the end to come waiting breathlessly for her body to be squished into a bloody pulp. But the end never came. She heard a violent screech, and looking up she saw that the Silurid had leapt from its position of repose and tackled the foot of the golem, slamming into it with all its body mass. Nuts and bolts flew in all directions as the barrels composing the foot parted company with the rest of the golem with a groan, and a large deluge of amber whiskey burst from the inner piping like arterial spray. The salurid was caught full in the face, but it opened its gaping jaws wide and inhaled several mouthfuls of whiskey. Its beady yellow eyes lit up in satisfaction, and far from slowing down, the creature made a series of drunken swipes against the golem's torso. The savagery was primal, and of course the creature was drunk. There was no coordination to any of its blows. To Jessie they seemed driven by nothing but a longing to get at all the whiskey inside. Unable to support itself any longer with one foot crippled, the whiskey golem keeled over and landed on its backside with a thunderous crash. But it wasn't done. The golem made a well-placed punch, knocking the flailing drunk silurid off its belly with a defiant roar. The salurid flew across the room and crashed into the remnants of the bar counter. Though dazed and confused, it seemed immune to the pain, however. The blow had just made it angrier and thirstier, although it was oozing black blood where it had been pierced by splinters and nails. To Jessie's amazement, the creature leapt straight at the golem, 
and with a sickening crunch locked its teeth around its neck. They shredded through the piping and bolts with ease. A shower of whiskey engulfed everything. The Silurid was not deterred. It took several more swipes, its claws raking through and decimating the wooden barrels of the golem's body, creating dozens of deep cuts from which more amber liquid freely flowed. Its hand still functioning, the golem grabbed the Silurid by the head and the tail and with all its strength tried to rip the creature in two. The construct flailed and squirmed, trying to summon enough strength. But soon the last of the alcohol drained from its form, and the massive, lumbering engine of destruction moved no more. Its glinting amber eyes grew dark. The Silurid dropped to the floor. The two gremlins were nowhere to be found. The smoking wreck of their creation must have concealed their flight. Jessie cursed herself for not being a quicker draw. She wished she had shot both of the foul creatures, reminding herself that scientists and conservationists were not equivalents. The Silurid was still splayed protectively over the wreck of the whiskey golem, its tongue lolling around in the puddles of shine and whiskey to catch every last drop. That much would have killed a man ten times over, but it seemed to have little effect on the Silurid, except for the symptoms of inebriation. You mind sharing some of that? She asked, grabbing a shot glass from the remnants of the bar. Somehow it remained unbroken. The Silurid gave no answer. It had finally keeled over and gone straight to sleep. It was snoring softly. Jessie took a swig of moonshine. You know, They'd just kill you if they saw you. No one but me realises what you did here. But I can't let you die. Not after what you've done. But how do I get you out of here? She looked at the sleeping creature with affection. It was still the ugliest thing she had ever seen, but it had saved her life. There had to be some reward for that. She cast a sidelong glance at the wreck of the whiskey golem. One barrel which had once been the head, seemed to remain intact. Just the right size for a wasted Silurid to be shipped express by the current to a certain gremlin village a little downstream. That's it for another episode of The Weird Chronicles. Join us next time for more tales of action and adventure.